Welcome to the Hoops and Huddle podcast. I am Malika and he is... Brandon with the rubric. Thanks for having me again, Malika. It's been a hell of a week. Hell of a week. A lot of things going on, but who we got today? What we got going? Hell of a week. You're like, thanks for having me. This is a... <laughs> thanks for having me. Um, I was... <laughs> This week, we're doing our off-season episode with Bibbs of Mavs Outsiders podcast. Um, it's so funny because we scheduled this day for the podcast and right before we're recording, there was a big trade that went down, um, Grant Williams, um, being sent to, um, the Mavs. I know the Hornets were going to put in an offer also, but they probably didn't want to give up any picks or it was probably a little bit too heavy for them in terms of with the picks and stuff. But um, let's get right into it. Like, you know, let's talk about, because you guys are losing Reggie Bullock. Um, are you losing anyone else besides? I have looking at the trade, and I know you're losing Reggie Bullock, and we could talk about you as a Mass fan, how you feel about that. And, um, and I know it's a sign and trade, and I need yeah, the it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, tell us what you, uh, tell us your vibe on the trade and how you feel about it. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> behind the scenes, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm still trying, to, still trying to get my bearings back after after the trade because all day we've been talking about, you know, if the Hornets are trying to get Grant Williams, can we get in on P.J. Washington? And in my head, I, I think P.J. Washington is a better player than Grant Williams, personally. I do, mm-hmm. too. I think the Hornets are stupid for not locking him in for four years. Give him the 484 four for 80 and call it a day and try to get rid of Terry Rozier at the trade deadline. Like you can't let him sign a qualifying offer because next year you're going to have Miles Bridges um, out there unrestricted and you'll have PJ too. It'll be a loss because I don't think their backups are ready. They're rest. They, they're too young and they're not ready. You see in the summer league, they're not ready. So you need to sign PJ because if you sign that qualifying offer, you're losing both of them. And that's a, that's a disaster. Right. But I get why you want PJ. I honestly thought a trade was going to happen for, um, for uh, I was thinking Tim, um, you know, because you guys still have um, Junior over there. So I thought that it was going to be a trade maybe for him to come go to Charlotte, but not even that. So I, I just was because it was sounding like the PJ Washington was almost a done deal the way that it was being reported. So, yeah, I guess, you know, it didn't happen fast enough. But, yeah, your thoughts? Sorry. Yeah, I think Grant was going to end up in Charlotte and PJ was going to end up in Dallas. So that's, like, been in my head all day. Uh, so now to have this trade go down, first of all, you, you might, might not be familiar with how I feel about Reggie Bullock. Uh, me and uh, me and Reese on, on the Mavs Outsiders, we've been calling him the Winter Soldier because he can't shoot until the winter solstice arrives like if you go <laughs> the first part of the year he's shooting like 20 percent from the field and then after the winter solstice hits all of a sudden he can't miss so uh we were calling him the winter soldier over there so i'm, I'm glad i don't have a, a half half of the season player on my roster anymore um and then we did need we did need an upgrade at the four like right before this trade we were looking at maxi Kleba, whose body's falling apart it seems over the past few years 
mm-hmm. and this rookie, uh, Maxence Prosper. Like that's that's what we were looking at for our power forward position. So adding Grant Williams to that fold is a guy that we know we can play at least 25 minutes. And yeah. when we play Maxi that type of time, his body falls apart. So we're not going to be ending up depending on a rookie right out of the gates. So uh, I definitely feel good about it. Don't not going to miss Reggie Bullock because he was getting in the way of my boy Josh Green. And uh, the other pieces of the trade, we we did a twenty thirty pick swap. Yeah. Spurs, not I'm I'm not thinking about no thirteen year olds right now. And right. and then we got two second. I don't even know how, but we got two second round picks out of this trade somehow. So something with the Spurs. That's why I was like, okay, what is? I got to look at all of the pieces of the trade. But um, yeah, you got two draft picks. You got you know second rounders. You got Grant Williams, and you, and somehow Boston gets two us as well. Right. So I think yeah, those are the swaps you were talking. You know, like you were talking Boston's about. Boston's getting two seconds. We're getting two seconds. We're doing a swap with San Antonio. So yeah, um, I think that uh, I think I forgot what I was talking. No, uh, we got the second round picks, and I think that they're probably going to be used to get rid of Javale McGee. Like we've been trying to get rid of Javale McGee. You, okay. you guys have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, we had the the trade in place for Aiton, but Javal McGee held it up. Uh, the Suns didn't want to take Javal McGee because it was going to cost them another 20, 30 million on their books, basically, and it's in the luxury tax. And we simply wanted him off our roster. Now, I would have done <laughs> Rashad Holmes and Tim Hardaway Jr. and figured out the Javal McGee situation later, but uh, the Mavs didn't want to do that. So I'll expect that those seconds end up getting flipped to get rid of Javal McGee. And they're apparently still shopping Tim Hardaway Jr. to get him out of the way. Yeah, Tim Hardaway. Yeah, I figured um, he was going to be shopped. I don't know where he's where he's going to end up. That's why I thought that was going to be a trade, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and maybe a pick or you know for PJ. It was going to be a sign and trade, but nope. Um, what, so, do you think, what, what do you think? What do you think? this does for the team though like how much does this move the needle like i get that you could get somewhat better but we're not in this and you're not in this to to get an extra 10 games off the regular season extra 20 games and about three more wins in a playoff series like nah like you're trying to really go deep into the playoffs it doesn't feel like any of these moves really do that so what we yeah, no, I, I hear you. So what, what we've done so far that I like is uh, somebody pointed it out a minute ago when I was on Twitter. For the first time, we've gotten even a little bit better and okay. younger. Okay. So that where we're at today, if we keep the players we have, we should get better naturally with mm-hmm. the players we have. Like Josh Green is going to get better. Grant Williams is going to get better. Like none of these guys are in their prime yet. Uh, lively and Max Sense Prosper should get better. Jaden Hardy should get better. Like we've been an old team for a long time, despite our best player being 24 years old. And so now we're starting to slowly get a little bit younger. The only thing I think that's missing from this roster right now is a actual rim protector at center. So that allegedly is what we're after next. With Luca, in my opinion, you don't need a lot. And now we got Luca and Kyrie, so they can. That's 50 points right there off the bat the rest of these guys just need to give us a little bit and if everybody else plays defense then the rest just take care of itself so grant williams as a defender josh green we know he can defend 
uh, Lively's supposed to be a, eventually a, a rim protector. Right now, I don't know how much we can depend on him, but they're trying to load up with defensive wing type players to throw around Luka and Kyrie so they can just score all the points and not have to work as hard on defense. But does Kyrie and Luka work? Like, like I get that they're going to be high volume scores and it feels like a lot of time it's going to be a yo-yo. You go ahead and get your 35, I'll get my 20. Next game, you get your 35, I get my 20. But I don't see, as much as people talk about the Nets, when they were together, right. they all were scoring 30, 35 points every now they didn't play a lot of those games together, but when they did, they were. And there was a third player that they could get into the mix. It feels like the ball doesn't move as much. Mm. Is that accurate or like so there was a lot of talk about whether or not it worked at the end of the season. I'm gonna take it back even a step further with Jalen Brunson. I didn't think I don't think a scoring guard is the answer next to Luka Doncic. Like if okay. I'm designing a team. That's not what I would want. I want a two-way guard, a guy that can get buckets, doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands, like catch a shoot, maybe a couple bounces and get a shot up. Like a Gary Trent Jr. is a guy I had in mind as the type of player I would want next to Luka. He's gonna play hard on defense on one end and just hit shots on the other end. Doesn't need the like ball. Clay? Like a clay, like a clay, yeah, like a clay tops. Like that's the type of type of complimentary player that I I would want next to Luca. So when we had Jalen Brunson, it was okay. This can be a good team with Luca and Jalen Brunson, but I don't think know if this is really the the optimal situation. So now, yeah. obviously, Kyrie's better than Jalen Brunson, but it's the same dynamic of two ball dominant guys that need the ball to score and are pretty much just going to take turns iso on people or whatever yeah um so yeah so starting from that i don't think it's optimal but i think it can be successful i think we'll be we could be a middle of the pack playoff team bare minimum and you know depending on how things play out injuries matchups whatever we could accidentally break through with those two okay now, one thing that I was watching um, at the end of the season was Kyrie flirting with um, shopping around to see if there was some interest. And I just think with the new um, CBA, um, and as soon as free agency opened, teams were on it. Like they were making their decisions pretty quick. You had a C- new CBA, the full CBA dropped two days before free agency opened. Um, and teams were on it and they knew the decisions they wanted to make with their rosters. Um, and I feel like this free agent market wasn't exactly an A plus market. To me, this was C's. This was a C, a regular C free agency market. There really wasn't much out there. I figured we'll see more trades and we haven't seen as much as I thought we would see, to be honest with you. Um, but with Kyrie flirting, I was like, Kyrie, there's no, you know, when you saw the money drying up pretty quickly, that's another thing. The money dried up fast because of the new CBA, teams are hard capped. They can't just sign a 30, they can't just sign them and, 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 and do it that way. So were you at, at all, um, a tiny bit nervous about Kyrie where you're like, you ain't going nowhere, man. What are you doing? So, I, first of all, I didn't want Kyrie. Like, 
the okay. moment of the trade, I even had gone out of my way to say, like, I don't even know if I would trade blah 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 for a Ky- like a Kyrie Irving. Like the day before, like when I was on the podcast, mm-hmm. it was about like I wouldn't trade Spencer Dinwiddie and whatever for for Kyrie Irving or whatever. And of course, we did basketball that. reasons or off court reasons. Off court reasons. Okay. Um, just because I felt like we had enough distractions and problems going on, I just didn't want to add to that. And I already knew how fans were going to act. I didn't want to have to deal mm-hmm. with that. I, I didn't want to have to deal with that as a fan. Once but in, it, a way, in a way, though, to be honest, and sorry to cut you off, Texas is a good market for Kyrie. <laughs> because, you know, like, you could, I just feel like Texas is, is, is perfect for, you know, like, you know, hey, if the mandate, if the mandate happened, like if we had that mandate, it would he wouldn't have a problem because he plays for the Dallas Mavericks. You know what I mean? Like, and he could say, we, you know, the fans are back some of the things he he did, and I feel like Dallas is a good. The funny thing, yeah, I think Dallas is a good spot for Kyrie. That's the funny thing. So it's funny to hear you say that. L.A. I don't think that would have meshed well. Right. I just I don't think that would have. Um, they didn't want it's some fans wanted him, but other fans didn't. Right. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's that's definitely has played out. And there are some people that still are like really hard and I don't want them and this, that, and the third. But after he came in, for the first time I was forced to actually pay attention to him. Mm-hmm. Um, because for mm-hmm. the most part I just like I see enough crazy stuff, I'm just gonna tune it out. But now he's on my team, I have to actually pay attention to him. Uh, my boy Shad Miller. I uh, got a one-on-one interview with him with that uh, the team was mad about because they didn't realize it was happening at the time. But he got a one-on-one interview with him and he talked about like his life and like uh, learning from his mistakes and where he's at now as a man, like with the use, using meditation and being a father and this, that, and the third. And it was like, hold up. So he he maybe he has matured a bit. Like maybe he does get it. And when I, re- when I listened to the stuff he was saying, the way he's talking about like how he's moving forward in his life, I realized that Dallas actually probably does make a lot of sense for him because the media is not hard on the players at it's all. It's a fresh start. It's yeah. it's a fresh start for him. And um, at the end of it, I will say as a Nets fan, um, him and KD's time with it was not. First of all, I will say it was an honor to watch them. And all fans don't feel this way. I'm not speaking for all Nets fans. I'm speaking for Malika. Um, to have players of that caliber play for the Nets and to be able to go to Barclays and see them play at home well in the night state because we, we were able to see KD more than the other, you know, Harden and uh, and Kyrie. But, I, you know, it was really cool to see, that, especially with Kyrie being from Jersey. He is one of the greatest guards. I don't care that he didn't make the top 75. Him with the ball in his hands is, is a show. Like he's amazing to watch with with the ball in his hands. So I honor to watch him play. I used to get some great seats and just watch him marvel at the ball when he was on the court. Him and Katie, they're not there anymore. And you guys have the opportunity to see the greatest show on earth. Because <laughs> I think that he wants to he wants to go out there and and, and prove that he is he is him. Right. You know what I mean? Like and you know playing with Luca, um, I think. They'll figure Luca wanted him there. He called him apparently just to make sure that he he comes in and um and and, and joins um you know and signs his contract. So I think this year with 
you know, like some of the moves that you guys are making, trying to, you know, clean up the roster a bit. Um, I like some of the moves you guys made. And I think you'll get an active, engaged Kyrie. You have Luca as your number one option. And um, hey, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, what hopes do you have? I mean, what what other moves they have? They still have the MLE, right? So Matisse Bible, right. they're trying to bring him in. How do you feel about that? All right. Let me, I got to finish the Kyrie piece real quick. I'll close Okay. Um, so again, Kyrie, media is not going to be hard on him. He seemed, people are leaving him alone and he seemed happy. So going into like his decision, uh, I was worried that he would drag it out because I feel like he's the type of person he doesn't want to feel like he's trapped into anything. He, mm-hmm. like, he mm-hmm. has options. But so the fact that he signed within 45 minutes shocked me, first of all. Uh, so I feel good about him coming back. I don't think he's going to be a problem. He's given us no reason to think he's going to be a problem in Dallas. Um, Matisse Thibel, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I understand. He's a defensive guard, right? I yeah. mean, he gives you a defensive presence on the floor. Yeah. And he's a guy that I like, like coming out of college. Like he was a guy I thought, because uh, the I think his, he stayed in school for four years. I think his junior year, he shot really well from three. And then he fell off a cliff his senior year when they moved the three-point line back a little bit. And he just hasn't really found it in the NBA. Um, I think that there's still potential there that he'll be able to figure that out. And if he does, then he's a useful player. As long as he's behind Josh Green in the rotation right now, I'm fine with him being on the roster. If that means that I don't have to look at Theo Pinson in the Dallas Mavericks jersey, I'm, I'm happy with it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they, they didn't say they're using a full MLE from what I can understand. They have like 9 million left before they'd be over that, that hard, that, uh, that tax line. The first apron. So, yeah. The, they'd be, I think they're 9 million below the first apron after this Grant Williams trade. So I think the the offer is going to be somewhere slightly below that. Um, again, I know that they want defensive players around Luca and Kyrie, I think that he still has a chance to figure it out as far as the shot. And I mean, more Aussies on the team. We're just going to be Aussied up with, with Kyrie, Josh Green, and, and Matisse. What I worry about, I want to get your take. Uh, how does Dallas stack up in their current lineup or potential moves they can make to compete with these more athletic or active bigs that they're going to be facing? Uh, let's say Zion, if he's healthy. Um, Aiton, uh, the Joker, AD, like that's a, I don't see anybody on the squad that can like, yeah, without giving up time and energy from your guards who are going to have to be productive and chase guys around a lot more. Like, I, I just don't know how do they keep up with some of those cats. Am yeah, I seeing how, What do you think? Yeah, that's how jason kidd wants to play he wants to be switching everything and flying around all over the place we still do need a center like right now our center rotation if nothing changes is rashawn holmes dwight powell javel mcgee and the rookie lively like that's not that's not acceptable at all so that in, in my opinion like everything they've done i can't complain about but I'm not if we end this 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 offseason without addressing that starting center position, yep. then it's we're still going into a bad situation. Like I'm not that is the key to the this offseason being a success. The names I've heard, Zubak, 
for some reason, Jared Allen apparently is a name that people are saying. I don't understand why Cleveland would be trading him, but he's apparently a guy that we're talking about. Um, Aiton allegedly is off the table, but maybe the Suns come back to the table on that. I, I don't know what his situation is there. Their salary is insane, but yeah, yeah. I, it ain't my money. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so until we get that center position res- resolved, the rest of it does not look as sexy as I would like it to look, to be honest. And Grant Williams being, again, that's another reason I like P.J. more than Grant, because I feel like P.J. can guard up a little bit more. Uh, like, he can play some small ball five a little bit little bit more convincingly than okay. Grant Williams can. Even okay. though people seem to think he, he, he can do that. that. That would definitely be help with the second unit, unit too, with Grant Williams, uh, especially on being more active on defense. That was just a gap that I saw across the board with that team all year. It was like, oh, goodness. Not nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't go. Now, huh? <laughs> now, when, mm-hmm. when you look at, when I look at, okay, you said the starting center is a role you want to see because you want, I guess you want, you definitely want Kristen Wood out of there, right? Um, he's coming back to Dallas. That's it, that relationship is, is dead. It's done. He just seemed to can't find a, he just seemed to can't find find a spot so besides the backup i mean besides the starting center is there another um hole you want to feel on, on the roster or that would make you feel more more comfortable um assuming pj is just going to take the qualifying offer and in, in charlotte um and you don't want matisse is there a better somebody out there that you wouldn't mind adding to your roster this offseason that you can possibly get Give, give me one second. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. But, you know, that's something that I'm, I'm wondering, like, how they get better, like, to move to conference finals, like, get into that home. Like, that's the moves that I'm interested in, like, what they're going to be able to do. I just don't mm-hmm. see I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. What you got? Yeah, so the center position is the, the key, but... Uh, if I'm looking at this team okay. as it stands, I'm happy with the starting lineup if we fix that center situation. Okay. Um, I honestly don't hate the bench in that scenario because I like Maxi Cleaver as a back. Like if you're looking at an eight man rotation, Maxi Cleaver plays the four, he plays the five, he hits threes. Like that's, I'm good with that. Uh, Seth Curry as a shooter off the bench. Yeah. I like yeah. That. Um, and he and, loves Dallas apparently. So, <laughs> I mean, it's his third time. Third time. It's his third time going there. Yeah. I had just put the the Seth Curry jersey away. Instead, uh, you know, I'm never going to wear this again. And then, then we got him, got him back. Um, the only thing I could think of is like fight maybe another score, like another person that can come in and get buckets. And so then Kelly Oubre is a name that I that comes. I'm to still mind. shocked that he's not signed. I am. I, I had conversations because I'm in a I'm in a uh, Hornets Discord because um, I can't do Hornets on Twitter. I, I, it's just too <laughs> negative, and um, and you know, like of course, Nets is my number one team, but I, I keep tabs on them. And I, you know, I asked why is Kelly not getting interest, and it was like, well, is he? You know, he may not be seen as a winning player or a player that makes the right decisions in crunch time. 
So is that a concern of yours? What can be possibly with Kelly Oubre? Maybe that's why teams aren't jumping on him because he's right there. Um, so he's unrestricted. He's right there. I hundred percent think that he falls into that mold. It's that's kind of one of my favorite types of players. The players that they they're fun to watch from time to time. They come out. They can get you twenty by accident, but they're not necessarily efficient. They don't always make the best decisions. Um, J.R. Smith is a guy I remember that used to be one of those guys until he landed in the right spot and was used the right way, could be corralled by the right player. I think Luka Doncic, when you people talk about, you know, oh, he's going to play with Luka Doncic, Luka's going to get the most out of him, blah, blah, blah. That hasn't always been the case with players, but it has been the case with these inefficient bucket getters. Spencer Dinwiddie, look at his numbers in Dallas versus the rest of his career. He's never been more efficient than when he was beside Luka. Tim Hardaway Jr., when he plays with Luca, all of a sudden he's an efficient player. Every other situation. Hey, New York, he was. <laughs> Stop exactly. playing. Stop exactly. playing. Yeah. But these inefficient bucket getters work beside Luca. So I, w- I would be very interested in seeing Kelly. Um, because he's only going to give you the ball when it's time for you to shoot it. He's not giving you the ball in situations to make decisions. Like it's, all right, now shoot it, Kelly. Go ahead. Like that's that's the type of situation it's going to be. So. Okay. Now, we talked about the team and kind of what you're hoping to see from, you know, in terms of rotation. Let's go to your coach and let's talk about um, your coaching staff, Jason Kidd and his staff. Um, You know, what are your hopes for there in terms of versus last year? What changes you hope to see from your coaching staff? Um, And yeah, let's talk about that. So they did just add... Yeah, they did just to add two veteran assistants, which was nice to see. Um, I know there's still some some talk about Jeff Van Gundy coming along. I'm, I'm not sure that's necessary at this point. Um, but yeah, I think that one of my main problems with Jason Kidd is, as a coach is he's not one of these flexible coaches that will adapt his play style to the players that he has. He has how he wants to play. And last year, that resulted in disaster defensively because the way he wanted to play defense just does not did not work with the personnel that he had but he was not adaptable to that i think that so far this offseason nico has made moves to give him the type of players he needs to play the way that he wants to play defensively and then offensively they they got a cheat code with luca and Kyrie pretty much motoring everything so uh, i would like to see jason kidd be more flexible with the young guys um, I think he did a terrible job of managing Josh Green last year. Um, you look at last year, we came into the league, I talk, or to the season, Reggie Bullock, I mentioned, shooting 20% from the field for like two and a half months. Josh Green was coming off the bench shooting like 60% from three for two and a half months. And it took that long for Jason Kidd to decide that Josh Green might need to start a little bit. Um, then Josh Green kind of cools off a little bit and Justin Holiday shows up, hits six threes or five threes, however many it was, off the bench, his first game. And now suddenly Justin Holiday is the starting small forward and Josh Green is back on the bench. Josh Green came into last or went into last summer talking about his confidence being terrible because of Rick Carlisle, how he did him, and working on his confidence. So now he gets his confidence up, he's starting to look like an NBA player, and you immediately replace him with a scab on a 10-day contract after a couple bad games. And he was pretty much shot again after that. So uh, 
kid has to be more aware of the decisions he's making and again more flexible with the young guys i think he defers to the vets even when the vets are playing bad and he's has a short leash on the young guys when the young guys have a couple off games okay okay um and um jason kidd um you know you guys drafted him um he was in that's he's still in terms of accomplishment when in that uniform you know, besides Dr. J, he's he took us to the finals. So we we you know he does have an interesting pass off the court, but in terms of on the court, we we, we love and respect um, Jason Kidd. Um, in terms of the the Dallas Mavericks fan base, um, let me go back. We love and respect Jason Kidd as a player and what he did for our franchise. Let me be clear, because the coaching side is different. <laughs> um, how do you, how do Maverick fans feel about Jason Kidd? How, what is approved? What is his approval? You know, like the president campaigns do the approval ratings. What would be his approval rating within the net, the, the Mavericks fan base at the moment? I would probably say it's around a 30-35 Ooh. at best. Wow, that low. Okay. See, I wanted to see a change this offseason. There were I so I personally I I'm I know my, that Mark Cuban doesn't fire people. So I've accepted Jason Kidd is here for at least a, a few more years. Like the Western Conference Finals run is gonna buy him at least five years if the final if the championship bought Rick Carlisle 10. So that's not in my head, but yes, you can go search fire Jason Kidd right now and you will find a ton of tweets of people saying fire Jason Kidd all through the end of all through the season last year. There are people, a lot of people, myself included, did, were against the hiring in the first place. Like I remember when the job opened up, Jason Kidd rumor came out. I literally said Jason Kidd is the last person that we need to hire for multiple reasons. Uh, Jason Mid, search Jason Mid, and you will find a ton of tweets because his career has been 500 pretty much across the board the entire time. Like he doesn't raise the floor. He doesn't uh, push push through the ceiling. Like he, he gets the best, at best he's an average coach. And you can say maybe he's a good developmental coach. Okay, he needs to be an assistant then. <laughs> he needs to be an assistant, a, a developmental assist, uh, coach assistant. But uh, between that and then of course, you mentioned the off the court issues like our franchise has had a lot of ties to these the, the assault, the Me Too situation. It didn't feel like the, the type of person we needed to be bringing in to our culture. Um, and they addressed that and they moved on. Uh, and, you know, me and Reese both have said he's here. We can't do nothing about it. We got to give him a chance. Uh, Western Conference Finals run, fantastic. Missing the play-in, trash. So this is year three. Hey, he's got a, he's got some convincing to do. He's got to win some people over with with this coaching job this year. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. Have you been pleased with the work that Nico has done since being there? Uh, I think there's been there was a some slight like ah he's coming into a rough situation like Donnie kind of messed us up with the the KP trade and blah 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 blah. The roster's old. As of today, 
yes, everybody is on. It's like ninety nine percent Nico approval rate at this point in time. Um, he's um, he's he's done what he's we we couldn't ask for more than he's done so far in this role. He's drafted well. He's found steals. He's 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 uh, identified players that he wanted when we didn't have the picks to get those players and went and got them. And Jaden Hardy and uh, Max Sense Prosper. So uh, draft, I think people already believed in him in his ability to find talent in the draft. But this offseason, what he's been able to do with the the trades and and the acquisitions, people are starting to believe in him as a negotiator, decision maker. And maybe we need to give Dennis Lindsay, who we stole from Utah, maybe we need to give him some of that some of that credit as well for helping figure out the details and make how to make these things happen. Okay, that's fair. That's- we're gonna we're gonna round out bet. Let's talk about your owner, Mark Cuban. Um, and uh, I feel like when he got he got his championship, and you know he got his championship as an owner. So with Dirk, um, but I'm from the outside looking in because hey, Nets haven't got a championship since the ABA, so I can't, you know. I mean, hey, we, you know, it is what it is. But at least you guys have one. What are your thoughts on um, Mark Cuban today? Okay. Do you today, want him to sell the team? Today, yeah. If, if Mark Cuban, if I found out Mark Cuban was selling the team tomorrow, it would be a great day. Um, I'm very much over the Mark Cuban experience. I, uh, going back to what you mentioned, winning the championship, I feel like after he won the championship, he moved to, I want my fantasy team, like versus just being smart. And he wasted the last several, five, six, seven years of Dirk's like career uh, trying to chase superstars and not mm-hmm. really doing the work to get them, just having cap space every year. Like people wanted, he, he missed the idea that players are going to want to go to a team they feel like is competitive, but you're trying mm-hmm. to just have money to give them to then make your team competitive after the fact. And that's just not how that works. Um, so at about five years after the championship, I was pretty much over Mark Cuban and that has not changed as of today. The uh, off the court stuff has not helped between his comments about crossing the street if he saw a kid in a hoodie to uh, the, the hidden sexual assault allegations behind the scenes. Uh, then they get a test even the year of the bubble with another situation that comes up and they didn't handle that well either. So between that all that stuff and then his his inability to say no to a microphone I, I would like to move on from, from Mark Cuban as the owner of the team but you got a fine for tanking right what's that yeah we're talking t- about it <laughs> we're talking about it you just can't shut up just, yeah. just can't shut up yeah 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 approval rating from Mark Cuban Bam. 10% Okay. Okay. I, there was a dude that they had to throw out. I'm not game. even down on side that much. I mean, I'm not exactly the. <laughs> I give side with percent at least. We give twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a dude walking around with a fire mark Cuban sign. He got thrown out of a couple games at the end of last year. Like people, people are very much. There are some people that still love him. I, I, I probably should bump that out to 2025. But like my circles, nobody likes Mark Cuban. Got it. That's fair. Wow. I wasn't expecting to hear that. I wasn't expecting to hear um, 10%. Now, um, 
you know, we're at the end. So are there any words you want to say about um, that we didn't cover about the off season? We talked about ownership. We talked about GM, coaches, and a rotation. Is there anything else you want? And I, I meant to ask you, actually, I forgot to mention, how do you feel about Christy Tolliver as an assistant coach? Um, any thoughts on her contribution um, in that avenue? And then you can add anything you wanted to you want to end the conversation with. most definitely so as a mystics fan um i, I think it's and i was a christy tolliver fan back in college uh i had a crush on her actually but that's a whole nother thing um has <laughs> always been like one of my my favorite players to watch so it's awesome to be able to, to have her on the bench and uh see how the players respect her and respond to her in practice like have her in get, you know sharing her knowledge of the game with the young guards and stuff like that so uh, I definitely every time I see a clip with her doing like shooting around with the with the rookies and stuff like that, it always gets me gets me excited. I'm looking forward to getting her back uh, on the bench this year uh, after her return to Washington, uh, which has been uh, I could go on a tangent about the Mystics, but I'm gonna try not to do that here. But right, yeah, right, right, right. I, I think it's great that uh, the Mavs have one good thing they've done is always keep keeping a woman on the bench. Um, mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. before Christy Tolliver, so I, I got to give him credit for that. Hell, Sam Marshall, only black female CEO in the NBA. Like, yeah, yeah so I, I, I'm like, all right, <laughs> y'all did it, okay. Yeah, and I, I almost gave away something I'm not supposed to say, but yeah, she's working on some stuff behind the scenes. I think will make a lot of people happy as well. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to her make putting her her stamp on the team okay. going forward. Also, gotcha. well, awesome. Well, we are um, we are done, and I want to thank you for being here. Tell the people where they can find you. Yep, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at Bibbs Corner. Uh, that's that's all the that's where where I'm going to be tweeting all day uh, <laughs> when I shouldn't be. Uh, Mavs Outsiders is the podcast. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at Mavs Outsiders. Instagram Mavs Outsiders Pod and uh yeah anywhere you find your podcast you can find us we we just started an nba show but that's that's behind the patreon paywall we're kind of testing it out to see see how that goes but um yeah my co-host reese emma bar 25 on twitter as well so now are you doing any uh spaces at all or pop-up spaces or anything we we pass the spaces torch off to 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 our guys 77 spaces they'll be doing spaces but um we 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 couldn't we spaces was not for us us. all good all good thank you i appreciate you uh jumping on here give us some insight on the maths one of the teams i think a lot of folks forget about they don't see them as much except when lucas playing uh so having your perspective is solid so i appreciate it my man no appreciate y'all having me thank you bibs